0: As Nathan said, the readings from 1 John, chapter 2, are starting at verse 28 and going all the way through to chapter 3, verse 10. It's on page 1, 1,226 in, a, in the Church Bibles. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not been yet made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister.
1: Thank you, Graham. As we uh, come to have a look at that uh, passage more closely, let's pray and ask for God's help. Father God, we come before you as your children, many of us, most of us. And so as we think about that Bible passage that we've just heard, Lord, help us to receive that as children accepting a word from their father. And I pray that you would open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts, uh, and help us to respond well to what you say to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it kind of escaped your notice that it was the the king's coronation yesterday. Many of us might be getting a bit fed up with it by now, but who knows, you just have to bear with me for the next couple of minutes. But one of the striking things about the coronation uh, yesterday was when, uh, after all the the service and the, the procession, and they'd all gone back to Buckingham Palace, when they all stood on the balcony there, the, the royal family stood on the ba- balcony, waving to the crowds, uh, the striking thing was it was very clear who was related. And... Um, there's a, a very clear family likeness there and in some of us as we were watching were saying oh doesn't Louis look like his brother doesn't um, Charles look like William and I get lost in all the other royals but but there's a definite family stamp uh, about the royal family perhaps more than many other families perhaps um, but it, it was very clear who was a member of that family just by looking at them uh, and you know King Charles himself is, is so recognisable um, I I don't know how these things work, but I would be very surprised if at any point yesterday he got asked for ID. Um, Everyone just knows him, everyone assumes, everyone expects him, uh, expects that uh, everyone knows who he is. And apart from anything else, he doesn't need a passport and he doesn't need a driving license anymore, so I don't know what ID he would have. But but very often it's easy for us to recognize people just by looking at them, uh, some of us are not very good with names. Uh, we, we're not very good at remembering people's names, but we rarely forget a face. Uh, and we can often tell who's part of a family just by uh, looking at them again. But in tonight's passage, uh, in 1 John uh, chapter two, verse 28 to, to chapter three, verse 10, that, that uh, Graham just read for us, the Apostle John is writing to help us to recognize true Christians. And how to distinguish them from everyone else. But he's also writing to encourage those true Christians to, to keep going, to not get led astray. And so we're going to look at two things tonight. The first one uh, is under the heading Children, Know Your Father. If your children are God, you need to know your Father. Now, it's often a, a source of great fascination um, and great gossip uh, in the media when someone claims to be the son or daughter of someone famous or some celebrity, or maybe even have a claim to be in the line of succession to the throne. Um, In fact, there is an Australian man who does claim to be a son of King Charles and and Camilla. But how do you prove that? Well, you need a paternity test. Um, There's been a, a varied history of paternity testing, uh, people claiming all sorts of different ways of, of uh, showing who someone's real father is. Uh, in the last few decades, DNA testing has become a realistic and uh, accurate way of, of determining whether two people, any two people in the world, are related and to what degree. But when it comes to Christians, what what is the paternity test really like? Uh, it can't be like taking a swab. We can't swab all our church members and and see who really is a Christian and take it to the lab and and, and work all that. So how do we determine who the children of God are? Well, uh, John tells us in this passage, and right at the beginning of our Bible reading, uh, chapter 2 and verse 29, we read that everyone who does what is right has been born of him, born of God. And again, right at the end of the Bible reading, we we read this. Uh, It's chapter 3 and verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. So if you've got people claiming to be Christians, but you're not really sure, then you can take this paternity test. If they're not trying to do what is right, and they're not trying to love their fellow Christian, Then they're not really showing any signs of being God's child. So let's have a think about what it's like to be a child of God. Um, Moving into chapter 3 and verse 1, we read that we are loved. Being a child of God shows that we are loved. Uh, Verse 1, chapter 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. The first thing John tells us to do is to see. To, to look at the great love that our Father has shown us. Uh, this great love actually leads God to call us his children. Now imagine you were the child of someone really important and grand and powerful. Well if you're a Christian tonight you don't need to imagine that because that is what we are again. Verse 1. God, who created the universe, who has authority over all things, who is infinitely pure and holy and wise and loving, he calls us his children. Now, the world doesn't get this. The world doesn't understand uh, because they don't know God themselves. That's from the end of verse 1. And because they don't know God, they don't get Christians either. They just don't understand us. And you can see this, you watch any TV program or film that portrays Christians in any way, and nine times out of ten, maybe more, you'll see Christians that are weak, or weird, or bad, or judgmental people. These directors, producers, filmmakers, whatever they are, they, they have an idea of what a Christian is, and it's not what God says a Christian is. The world just doesn't understand that that being a Christian is actually uh, about a transforming relationship between a loving father and his beloved children. And so as his children, we display the family likeness, Uh, not meaning that somehow we look like God, Uh, not even meaning that we have the same abilities as God. Uh, No, rather we show the same kind of character that God shows. Uh, particularly in our attitude towards sin and and holiness uh, and purity, but also in our attitude towards our fellow Christians as well. Um, And the more we look at our Father and gaze on his goodness and see his love towards us, John says, the more we will become like him. Uh, We read that in verse 3, but we will not get there just yet. In fact, We won't be quite like God just yet. Verse 2, he says, we are children of God. That's for sure. Uh, And what we will be has not yet been made known. It's like he's saying, there is room for improvement here. We we will be just like God uh, in his character. So there is something better yet to come. Uh, And then he goes on to say that we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. Again, because we will see him. We've just been singing this over and over again. We shall see him as he is. One day we will be like him. We will be like Jesus. We'll follow in the family likeness. We will take on his character because we will see him as he really is. Now just thinking about, we've sung about uh, looking forward to heaven And uh, we're thinking now about the time when Jesus comes back and and we'll be like him. I wonder what your thoughts of heaven are like. Um, For many of us, when we think of heaven, uh, we think of the kind of benefits we might receive. We look forward to a a day when we won't suffer or we won't have to uh, cope with pain. We won't have to deal with stress and anxiety and any one of a number of uh, problems that we face day by day. So we might think of the benefits we get. We might even think, uh, we might daydream about the the kind of things we might be capable of in heaven, whether it's uh, being able to fly or run up mountains. I know someone who uh, was really looking to heaven because he was tone deaf and he believed that he would be able to sing in this beautiful baritone voice one day, and that was what heaven was really all about. But actually, for John his thoughts of heaven weren't so much about the kind of things we'll be able to do or the benefits we will gain, but rather about the kind of person that we'll be. And so just like Jesus, we will be just like our Father. And the reason for that is because we will see him clearly and we will want to take on that family likeness fully. Isn't that encouraging? That one day we will Put all our sinful ways behind us and be just like our Father in all his love and all his righteousness. That is something to look forward to. It is for me anyway. But, but what does that mean for us in the meantime? Well, to begin with, if you're a Christian and perhaps you're struggling with that same sin over and over again, maybe it's different sins and you just think, oh, I'm never good enough. This passage reminds us you are God's child. But you might be struggling with that same sin, or you're struggling with sin generally, because you're not fully seeing or taking notice of the enormous love that the Father has shown us. I know I've noticed in my own life that when I keep falling into the same sins repeatedly, it's it's often because I haven't been focused on the Lord. I haven't been focused on God. Maybe I haven't been reading the Bible as frequently as I could have done. Or I haven't been praying as much. Or perhaps I've just had other things on my mind, and ignoring God instead of f- focusing on His holiness and His goodness and His grace. I've been more self centered. And those are the times that I fall into that same pattern of sin. And maybe that's you tonight as well. Um, and if that is the case, I, I would encourage you to devote some time every day when you can read the Bible, you can pray. Maybe by yourself, maybe with someone else. But spend time with God. Look, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. See him so that we can become more like him. But also, looking forward to Christ's return makes it way easier to keep our focus off sin. There's something about that hopefulness that we have of looking forward to Christ's return, that that helps us to live pure lives just like Jesus. So as well as spending time looking at Jesus, thinking about God and his his beauty, holiness, his grace, his love for us, let's uh, look forward to that day when we will be like him. And we'll start to see the change occur right here and now. So it's really important for us uh, as God's children to know who our Father is uh, so that we can be more like him. Uh, But it's also really important for us as God's children to know who our Father is so that we don't get led astray. And so that's the second thing we're going to look at this evening. Children, don't be led astray. And this has been a, a constant refrain of this book as we've been going through it. Stand firm, remain in Christ. Don't be led astray. John's saying, whatever you do, don't follow people who don't resemble Christ in any way. Uh, when I was in school, uh, I don't know what they do these days, but uh, certainly when I was little, we would learn about stranger danger. Uh, it was, we were taught not to go off with strangers, very sensible. Uh, we were taught not even to talk to them, definitely don't accept sweets from them, don't, don't have anything to do with strangers. Now, that message has probably been modified a bit since, but there is a sense in which John is saying something similar. Don't go off with strangers. Don't follow people that you don't recognize as being God's children. As we've seen throughout this letter, there there were a group of people uh, associated with the the Christians that John was writing to. Uh, This group of people were really shaking the faith of these Christians. They seemed to suggest that you could... Uh, be a Christian and maybe not have to change anything about your lifestyle in order to follow Jesus. Um, they, they weren't interested in um, counting the cost, as Jesus might put it. Uh, they, they might suggest that um, you could be a Christian without, need, without needing Christ at all. And so John was warning these true Christians about these other people who we heard last week he called antichrists people who were leading the Christians away and attempting to to turn their back on Christ. And all the while, these bad guys, these antichrists, they were coming across as those who had got it all sorted, and that they were the super-spiritual ones. And so it was confusing for for John's uh, hearers, for his readers. So how do we recognize these people? Well, John is very clear that anyone who has become a Christian will demonstrate some measure of godliness. Uh, He says they can't help it. It just comes naturally. Uh, Verse 9 says they can't go on sinning because they've been born of God. Now, John isn't meaning here that if you're a real Christian, that you will never do anything wrong. And I think all of us can breathe uh, a sigh of relief at that because we know that we do get things wrong uh, quite often. Uh, he's not advocating what some people would call sinless perfectionism. Uh, He said a few times now that that Christians aren't perfect yet. Uh, We read that earlier in the passage in verse 2, what we will be has not been yet made known. There's room for improvement. Um, But also from chapter 1, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So Christians will still continue to battle with sin until Christ returns. But that's exactly the point. Christians will battle with sin until Christ returns. Uh, And it all really boils down to this attitude shift. Uh, Verse 4 says that sin is lawlessness. So when John is talking about sin here, he's talking about an attitude which says, I don't need to listen to what God says. I don't need to do what he says. I don't need to be like him in any way. It's lawlessness. I don't need God's law. I don't want to do what God or anyone else tells me. But a hallmark or a birthmark, in this case, uh, of a Christian is that they do care about sin. The Antichrists, these false teachers, they they weren't bothered in the slightest. They were happy carrying on as if nothing had happened to them. But John says this is impossible. Uh, Verse 6, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him Or known him. John is saying no. No one can become a Christian. And then live like nothing has happened. And So if you've seen the love of God. In the death of Christ. Then that's going to completely affect. Every part of your life. Maybe not instantly. Maybe it's a slower process. But your whole outlook on sin. Will be turned upside down. You won't be lawless anymore but as you see Jesus more and more you'll want to become more and more like him you'll want to do what is right just like he is righteous uh, verse 7 and he says the false teachers the, the false Christians these antichrists they might appear to be God's children to the uninitiated but they're actually doing the devil's work Maybe unintentionally, maybe deliberately, but the things they're doing and the things that they avoid doing, they show that they are not children of God. Now, if you thought that John was harsh last week in calling these people antichrists, just wait till you see what he calls them in verse 8 to 10. Uh, He refers to these people as children of the devil. Devil children. Just like God's children... Uh, they're shown by the family resemblance, the, the, the devil's children are shown by who they're like as well. And they're like their father, the devil. So what is the devil like? You, you might, ha- again, have all sorts of images in your mind of what the devil's like. But verse 8 tells us very plainly that the devil has been sinning from the beginning. So it, he means if you take after the devil, if you're a child of the devil, you Your life will be characterized by sin and lawlessness, by rebellion against God. And yet, if you're a Christian, your life will be characterized by, maybe not perfection, but certainly a desire to be like your Father, to be like God. Your your life will be characterized by repentance uh, and a desire to do what is right. It will be characterized by love for God. And for each other as fellow Christians. In fact, in verse 8, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So as Christians, your life should be characterized by letting Jesus do exactly that. By letting Jesus destroy the works of the devil. Uh, but maybe you're not a Christian this evening. Uh, and maybe even tonight you've seen something of God's amazing grace And it's goodness. And you feel that maybe you just don't measure up to God's standards. And if that's you, then join the club. None of us measure up to God's standards by our own efforts. But God shows his love for us. He sent Jesus to die for us. Our sins have been forgiven. Our sins have been destroyed like the works of the devil. So, If you're not a Christian, then just take this opportunity tonight to let Jesus destroy those works of the devil in your life. To take this opportunity to submit to Jesus and to say, I want to be like you. Jesus died on the cross for all those works of the devil that you've done. Uh, So now we we can all put those things behind us and follow him. So if, if that's you, please take the opportunity, trust in Jesus tonight. And it'd be great if you could talk to one of us about that and we'll help you take the next step in the right direction. But as we think again about John's hearers, uh, when they were hearing this message read to them, they were really facing a dilemma. Should they follow the people that had left them, that had abandoned them? These people who were cozying up with the world, uh, who weren't showing love and, and care, for their brothers and sisters in Christ? Should they follow those people? Or should they follow Christ? Maybe you face that dilemma as well tonight. It can seem quite attractive to follow the world, to to follow people that are in with the world, to be popular, to be just like the world. We thought about that a few weeks ago. But as attractive as that sometimes seems we're not to be led astray. If we know our Father, if we know God, then we know which direction to go. We can follow in that direction. And we know who to follow. If there's people around us that are good examples, and I praise God that in this congregation there are many good examples that we can point people to, to say, yeah, you want to be a good Christian? Look at her. Look at him. But these people are only worth following in their example because they follow Christ's example, because they are just like their father. So as we finish off, in all of this, in what John has been writing to us this evening, he's been giving us these tools to avoid being taken in by these antichrists. Children can be quite gullible sometimes. Uh, And John is saying, no, don't be gullible, stick with it. And so although it's, it's not as straightforward as you know, taking a, a DNA swab from everyone to work out who's a Christian or not or, or making everyone carry an ID card, John has shown us that there are some family traits that, that demonstrate which family we belong to. And so it's, it's got nothing to do with the, the shape of your nose or the colour of your hair or the, the size of your ears or, or what kind of smile you have. It has to do with whether you act like God in his love and his compassion in his righteousness or whether you act more like the devil in his lawlessness and in his selfishness. So you need to know your real father and we need to be careful who we follow. Know your father and don't be led astray. Let's pray together. Again, Father, we thank you that we are your children We thank you for that great love that you've lavished on us. We thank you that uh, although we had no right uh, to be your children, you gladly welcomed us in. Uh, We've sung about being adopted tonight. Uh, We've read about being born. And we just thank you that we're so uh, permanently a member of your family that that can't be shifted But Lord, we pray that you would help each one of us to follow in that family likeness. Help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to be more like you. Lord, we pray that uh, as we wait for that day when we will be like you, we pray that uh, you would give us that hopefulness. You'd help us to, to put away sin, to put sin behind us, to purify ourselves. Lord, we ask that you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit, to more and more reflect Jesus and his character, his love, his goodness. Lord, we do need your help, so help us, we pray. And in everything we do as a church family, help us to show that love to one another that uh, we read about uh, this evening. We, we are called to, to love all sorts of people, but especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we thank you for each other. Lord, give us a, a, a taste tonight uh, as we fellowship around the Lord's table, as we've sung, as we've prayed, as we've heard your word together, as we share fellowship afterwards. Lord, we pray that all these things would be a great opportunity to develop and to nurture and to grow in love for each other as we grow in love for you as well. So Lord, would you change us from the inside out? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.